0: Hi friends, my name is Ariel, a friend and disciple of Jesus and a communicator of the greatest narrative of all times, the gospel. And welcome to the Free Indeed podcast. So this episode is for those who have known the sting of disappointment. Honestly, that means this episode is for everyone because disappointment is part of the human experience. By the end of this episode i want you yes you whoever is listening to this right now to allow your heart to be open to these words and be soft to understanding the beauty that can exist in unfulfilled desires i myself am no stranger to the pain of disappointment and though i am not an expert on this topic i do believe the beauty of the gospel offers a silver lining to the disappointments we face as those who put their hope in jesus if you don't hope in jesus or know him my prayer is that this episode will give you a glimpse into his heart and allow you to taste and see that the lord is good as the psalmist writes i truly hope this episode gives you an opportunity to do that so let's get into it so if you do a quick google search of the word disappointment you will get this definition Sadness or displeasure caused by a non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. So be it the loss of a job you loved, or just one that actually just provided for you, or maybe having to let go of a love you believed would be yours forever. Perhaps it's waiting for a deep desire to be met and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's broken promises, unreciprocated affection, another negative pregnancy test, broken vows, broken dreams, and maybe even disappointing yourself by failing to walk away from the sin that so easily entangles you. The quote-unquote sadness or displeasure caused by non-fulfillment of your hopes or expectation can sting, no matter how you look at it. It's even harder if you have to navigate such a disappointment after presenting it to God, the God that says he loves you and desires to give you good gifts. A few years ago, I hit a bit of a spiritual rut, and while lying in bed one evening, I felt the Lord prompting me to be honest with him. I beat around the bush for a while, but the feeling just became more and more pressing. Eventually, lying in bed and staring at the ceiling in the dark, I said these words out loud, God, you have disappointed me. I was even shocked by it. But as I spoke it, I felt that the line of communication between him and I were open again, because he knew that this was the cause of the rut I was in. Of course, he had not really disappointed me, but I had put myself in the firing line of disappointment by assuming in my immaturity that God had endorsed and promised to fulfill something he really had not promised. It was my interpretation of his words. My longing and desire ruled my relationship with God, and I expected him to be subject to them. This was obviously a fickle foundation for relationship with him, But let's talk about longing and desire real quick. I encourage you to read the book of Exodus to find the story. But in the book of Exodus, we read about how the Israelites had lived in slavery for hundreds of years. It's safe to assume that their fixation was probably on freedom. The thought of, if we leave this place, then dot, dot, dot. Their joy was contingent upon their desire to be free from slavery. When God sent Moses to lead them out of slavery and into freedom, that desire eventually became their reality. They were free from their oppressors and on their way to their promised land. We also later on read that the thing they fixated on was now their reality, but on the road to the promised land, they began to long for the things they had left behind. Eventually, after 40 odd years, instead of the seven years that that journey would actually take, when they entered the promised land, well, the few, when only few of them entered the promised land, It was not paradise. It was still earth. They still had to work their land to get food. They still had to war with enemies to get their land. There was no happily ever after per se. Otherwise the story would kind of end there. The whole Bible would end there. In fact, I'll go as far as saying no story in the Bible. can't even think of a parable to be honest Has a happily ever after. Every fulfilled desire always gives us something new to long for. So insert yourself into this conversation for a second. Think about the things that you long for. Your personal if-onlys, so to speak. What if you were given everything? I mean, you reached your weight goal, your abs were popping, you and your stunning soulmate tie the knot, your debts are paid, you get your dream job, you suddenly find the best community of people to do life with. Picture yourself in that place. Trust me, that satisfaction will be short-lived, as you realize that the bar for perfect beauty keeps shifting and another flaw in your body is now highlighted. And when you realize that your boo thing is an autonomous human being who has their own mind and their own desires and their own ideas of what a perfect life looks like. And those ideas don't necessarily match yours. And you find out that he snores, so you haven't like slipped in a week on your honeymoon. (laughs) But you catch my drift, right? The fulfillment of your desires come with more things to desire And it also probably comes with facing the reality that it did not produce the satisfaction you thought it would how many times have you prayed and longed for something and when that prayer is answered you're overjoyed for like a week and then that joy is suddenly gone like the way you pictured it was that the world would stop spinning off its axes like life everything would be beautiful the colors would be brighter birds would sing even more beautiful if this one thing came to pass and if god fulfilled that prayer but the reality is everyone including you just keeps it moving and going on with life these moments of fulfilled desires don't necessarily bring us to a place of arrival like we thought they would it only opens up our eyes to the reality that we will forever be chasing so that night in bed When I called out to God and wrongfully accused him of disappointing me, he showed me that he had allowed these disappointments because they were pathways towards him. This idea is beautifully articulated by C.S. Lewis when he says, if I find myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. The truth is we are not wired to be satisfied by anything in this world. God was teaching me, and I believe he wants to teach you this too, that him allowing disappointment in our lives is a way of helping us redirect our hearts towards the only thing that could ever truly satisfy, God himself. When we realize where our constant disappointment lead us to, i.e. seeking what will ultimately fulfill us, we can finally experience the hidden gifts found in disappointments. The funny thing is though, That the more we chase satisfaction in Christ, we don't necessarily arrive, quote-unquote, either. Instead, we actually discover the unfolding beauty of the expanse of God's glory. And it's an odd balance of being fulfilled but still being hungry for what eternity with him will look like. Jesus himself talks about this in one of my favorite, if not my most favorite, Jesus interaction in the Gospels. And this was that of the woman at the well. You'll find this in John 4 verse 13. It says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I encourage you to go read this story, you'll find it in John 4, of Jesus having this interaction with this woman, a Samaritan woman at a well after he unpacks her history and finds out, you know, not finds out, but he already knew that he, she has had several men in her life and she has one now, and it's not her husband. Um, and then begins to present to her that he is the Messiah and he is here to bring the salvation that had been promised for years. I love that at the end of it, this woman who's been shunned by her society becomes the one to run and bring them the message of the promised Messiah or the arrival of the promised Messiah. But anyways, going back to the topic for this woman, I'm not entirely sure what led her to a place of having three husbands or five husbands um, and living with a man that is not her husband. But I can surely say this, those things did not satisfy her. She was still left wanting. In this interaction, Jesus makes a statement that seems like a witty comeback, one that we can gloss over and even doubt it and dismiss it as that's just Jesus being Jesus. But in fact, this was a promise he was making about what he is offering to all those who believe in him and those who take hold of the gift that he offers. He promises that we will never thirst again, that we'll find the satisfaction of all satisfactions, and what he offers will never leave us wanting. Not just here in this world, but all the way through eternity. The only way we can truly make a conclusion about what will truly satisfy any human being is by trying to discover what they were actually created for. This well-known statement in the Westminster Catechism, basically a collection of Christian doctrine and fundamental beliefs, makes this conclusion to the question, what is the chief end of man? Or to rephrase, what is the purpose of humankind? The answer to this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And what does it mean to glorify God? John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. So recap, the purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him. And what does glorifying God look like? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This tells us that our joy does not lie at the end of the fulfillment of our desire, unless that desire is to realign ourselves with the purpose for which we were created. It lies in realigning our hearts with the one it was created for, which means relationship with the triune God who we were created to love and to be loved by. In him and him alone lies the key to ultimate human satisfaction. So with all this said, I want to remind you that our God is a good God. So I'm not saying that he withholds good things from us. That's the opposite of what scripture says. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He gives us good gifts, but these good gifts he gives us are like breadcrumbs on the path that leads to the ultimate good thing himself. So receiving good things from God are not exactly what we ultimately exist for. We exist for him and relationship with him. Every desire for fulfillment is buried in the heart of our creator. So let's consider our purpose again. God knows why he created us. And like we've unpacked, it's to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. This means relationship, love, fellowship, and intimacy. But when he did create us, he also knew that a fundamental requirement for love is for one to be able to make a choice. So he created us with free will, the decision to choose whether or not we will love him back. Truth is, our choice on whether to love him or not doesn't cause us to change our core design of only finding satisfaction in him and him alone. So we basically end up choosing eternal satisfaction or eternal longing. God also knew that in our fleshy nature, we would not choose him. Instead, we would choose parts that would centralize ourselves at the expense of relationship with him. But he made a plan for that even before he created us or the world we live in. 1 Peter 1 verse 17 explains this Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Here are a few truths we can draw from this passage that are relevant to this topic. Verse 17 tells us that we are foreigners in this world and we should live as such, having hope in the eternal and the one who is eternal. Which takes us back to the C.S. Lewis quote about if we can't find satisfaction in this world, We are not made for this world. Same thing. We are foreigners. Number two, this passage describes our desires as the empty way of life in verse 18 and stresses that our redemption was not achieved by the perishable fleeting things of this world that are rooted in our sinful and rebellious nature. What he refers to as our ancestors, who basically we can date back to Adam and Eve who sinned in the garden. So basically, we have inherited that way of life, sin and sin is the opposite of holiness so naturally this created a chasm a division between us and god thirdly this passage tells us that we were redeemed by christ who alone was sinless and we see this in verse 19. and then get this this is what i want to highlight it says he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake god didn't just realize that there was a glitch in humanity and then decided to factor in jesus This passage tells us that before creating us, he knew what our natural inclinations would be and chose to create us anyways, but that he made a preempted plan for us to be in relationship with him and ultimately fulfill the purpose we were created for. And that plan was Jesus. How amazing. So this episode is being released during the festive Christmas season and this passage really explains why the Christmas story is so beautiful and so profound for all of humanity. The birth of Jesus in a manger in this obscure town called Bethlehem is the predestined plan for God to ensure that humankind is set back on the path to fulfill the promise for which we were created to glorify God and enjoy him forever and that forever does not refer to one day in heaven when we're with god it definitely includes that but it's also a daily journey on this side of eternity of learning to love him and to be loved by him and doing this as we slowly lose satisfaction in the things of this world that only just offer temporary satisfaction but instead learn to delight in him the one we were created for so if you're navigating disappointment right now, if you have had to navigate disappointment, I want you to open your heart. Remember that that thing you were disappointed in would never have fulfilled you anyways. And I'm not trying to underplay the pain that you might have felt from it. But consider Jesus's conversation with the woman at the well. He offers us a well we can drink from that will cause us to not thirst ever again so even in our disappointment we can rest in the fact that jesus has already offered us the ultimate satisfaction life with him so what do you do with this information then firstly i think it's important to honestly evaluate what our if only's are right now what are the things that we've set our heart on that we think will give us ultimate satisfaction second To actually bring that to Jesus and ask him to reveal to us the truth that we will only ever find satisfaction in him. That means asking the Lord to teach your hearts to delight in him and him only. I'm not saying we should be disconnected from this world and live in the clouds. Like I said, he doesn't withhold good things from us, but to evaluate what those good things are. And ultimately, the best good thing we can ever get is Jesus himself. And he's already offered that. So my hope is that you'd carry these things in your heart. And when you do face your next disappointment, you would see the gift in it. That that is a reminder that nothing in this world will satisfy us. And even when he does give you what you desire, the fact that it doesn't fulfill you would be a reminder that nothing in this world is meant to satisfy us but that we are ultimately designed for Jesus to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode.